0: Welcome to the Homeschool Loftcast, a podcast presented by the Homeschool Loft in De Pere, Wisconsin. Our goal at the Loft is to encourage parents to educate their children at home and to let them know that they are both called to and empowered for the task of home-based education. At the Loft itself, we offer one-on-one consultations, book clubs and discussion groups, workshops and seminars, and a curriculum viewing library. Through the Loftcast, we extend our reach to encourage and bless homeschooling parents everywhere. I'm Jeff filling in for Tina, and that's Joel filling in for Jenny.
1: Hello, all. (laughs) Today, we've got a special guest in our studio today, and this gentleman is going to clarify a lot of questions that some of us may have when a spouse says no, right? When a spouse is just not on board with the whole homeschooling thought process. And today, our guest is Mike Smith. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Mike, why don't you give us a little bit of a background as to who you are, your family, your kids, your wife?
2: Yeah. So uh, my wife and I met in high school, um, married 10 years ago now. Um, I had originally had plans for one or two children. We now have five. Uh, with,
1: Rockstar. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and maybe we're done. Maybe we're not. Yeah. Um I was very against homeschool, which is obviously the reason that I'm here. And uh, my wife was able to talk me into it. And I hopefully can share some of the rewarding experiences that have come from that now. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So sometimes some of us are completely for homeschooling. Um, Like with Jeff and I, we were pretty much on board from the Mm -hmm. get-go. My story is a little bit, uh, I don't want to say unique, but Uh, Our planning process for homeschooling started on a Friday. Uh, My wife informed her employer that she was going to start homeschooling the next school year and uh, was putting in her her resignation six months in advance. And her employer said, you know what, we're just going to let you go today. Mm. So our homeschooling planning was on a Friday and then we started on Monday morning with with our homeschooling process. Jeff, what was yours like? Um, we were kind of homeschoolers before we even had kids. We
0: uh, saw kids who were being homeschooled back in the uh, this must have been the mid to late '80s, and uh, didn't really know much about homeschooling. But we thought that this was a pretty cool thing because those kids they were they were different kind of kids. They were there was a different kind of caliber to them, and we thought we wanted to be a part of that. And it was a little bit of a, a weirdness for us because my family were educated, they're educators, you know, teachers, the public schools, Tina was a public educator too. And we kind of feel like this is kind of rocking the boat and kind of a weird, unusual thing. Yeah. But Tina was really the one who was really, you know, for this thing. And I said, well, let's figure this out. And you know, what did I really know? We were talking about something that was going to happen five or 10 years in the future. So well, maybe things will change, but she just had her mind made up and she had all of her ducks in a row. And
1: by the time we had kids, we were just, we were into it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Mike, on the other hand, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mike has a story where he wasn't quite on board at first. Why don't you share with us what your thought processes were when you were first approached with the idea of homeschooling your kids?
2: Well, and speaking with my wife, I actually don't believe that I even can recollect the first time it was brought up. I, I passed it off that easily because uh, yeah. she definitely recalls speaking to me uh, mm. during her pregnancy. Okay. Um, I don't, it was, I, I did, I knew that we were going to have her at home and, uh, but I didn't know exactly you know how long that was going to be or any type of, uh, education at home was going to take place. Yeah. So it was probably again, around the time that my, my kids, my first son, uh, started walking is when my wife really decided this is really, I'm going to start putting stuff up in the schoolroom. We're going to build bookshelves. We're going to put letters up and we're going to, he's going to be recognizing colors and stuff uh, that yeah. really went way, way what I would consider now overboard right. for that age group, obviously. Yeah. And the conversations increased. and And again, I really did not spend much time thinking about it. It was really for me. No, you know, I went to public school. There's all the conversations about, I want my kid to have his friends at school. I want my kid to learn the things I want him to, finish class and go to basketball practice and all that stuff, just like I did. Right. And that was a big part of it. So for me, it just, I didn't engage in those conversations until time started to pass. And you wanted
1: your children to experience school the way you experienced it, right? Yes. Despite the fact that I never enjoyed school. (laughs) (laughs) So...
0: It's, so uh, you, you'll tell us what your main concerns were, but it sounds like it was kind of a, a social kind of thing you were concerned about. It wasn't necessarily an academic thing you were concerned about. It was how they're going to fit into the, the kid thing,
2: the, the society around them or something. Very much. Because even for me, I obviously learned a lot in school. Everybody does. But my love of learning, the, the things that I pursued further outside of the classroom were things that I, I pursued on my own. And so, you know, my interests were not changed by what I learned in school and they were definitely not led by what I learned in school. And so on the academic side, and I wasn't, as I got older, I took that to the detriment of my grades. <laughs> there was oftentimes where I should have been paying attention in class, but I was more concerned with focusing or learning what I wanted to learn rather than what was being taught to me. Right. So the academic side did not bother me as much, but I did have great friendships in school. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, I didn't play sports all through high school, but I played through junior high and still loved sports, still did basketball tournaments and things like that. But the more that social aspect, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Now, before your wife even mentioned homeschooling, did you have any preconceived notions about people who homeschool their kids or, or did you have any friends or family who experienced who educated their kids at home?
2: Yes. So I had a few families that I knew um, that had homeschooled and I grew up in a very rural area. So the the sample size for anything is very small. Right. But in those cases, I didn't really associate with them. Again, I was, I was the group of friends that I had, the group of friends that I went to school with. Mm -hmm. So they were always, you know, from a distance, a little bit different, you know, weren't in my peer group or my friend group. And so I just didn't view them as, Um, again, they weren't associates of mine, so I didn't see them and say, this is the example of homeschool that I would use. Right.
1: Different circles. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Different circles. And, and, you know, for example, I went to church, um, with a a family that homeschooled and the kids were fantastic. I I knew them and, and they were, they were fun. We had great conversations and they were part of basketball tournaments and stuff too. But, um, even things like wearing an ACDC t-shirt, they were very strict on things like that. So I got a lecture one day at church where I was like, Oh, he's crazy. people," (laughs) You know what I mean? So then that put a bad taste in my mouth. And so then when my wife would bring up homeschool, that's what I perceived it to be a little bit was somewhat socially awkward. Not the kids as much as you know, that you have to be a really strict parent to want to homeschool your kids. Right. And I'm not a super strict parent.
1: Yes. Were you strict, Jeff? (laughs)
0: <laughs> no more of a pink floyd guy though
2: right, okay yeah. yeah my dad's the acdc fan yeah. I, I decided not to purposely wear the uh, led zeppelin shirt to, to school <laughs> yeah. they might have more questions about the uh, fallen angel on the shirt so sure that <laughs> right. Right, right,
1: right. <laughs> so then your wife came to you and said i really think i want to educate our kids at home and you said nope yeah.
2: I didn't even entertain the conversation. Like our first probably dozen conversations about it. Yeah. As it was, we don't do that. That's yeah. not what we're going to do. That's not yeah. what I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. You didn't do that. No one I knew closely did that. It's right. just not, it wasn't entertained at all.
1: Yeah. Was there a fear about it or just, this is the way I want our kids raised and that's how it's going to happen.
2: <laughs> no, without sounding too inflammatory. It's, yeah. it's the indoctrination, right? It's that yeah. everybody does it. Right. So only the people who, you know, are outside of that group do it. And the those weird are, ones do it. Right. And so it's, it, it wasn't something that was just, it's not, I entertained, no one I knew or was close with did it. So why right. would in the world would we do that? Exactly. Yeah.
1: What, at what point did your wife start really saying, I'm taking this seriously?
2: I don't know when she started specifically saying, I'm taking this seriously. I got the idea that she was taking it seriously by the fact that she was taking it seriously. Yeah. <laughs> it continued to be a conversation. She wasn't letting it drop. Uh, this was going to be something that we were going to talk about every day if we had to. Yeah. And then she started to score the points with talking about the things like you never, you learn things in school. I don't want to sound like I'm speaking poorly of, of right. my teachers, but it certainly wasn't your interests were not fostered by yeah. the school you went to. Um, and I certainly got in trouble because I wasn't, getting along with the way the school wanted me to get along you know and so when she started making those points and saying was school the school system the way it's structured was that a benefit to you Mm -hmm. or did you get through because just pure perseverance and this is what you were told to do Mm -hmm. certainly but did i want to put my children in that same position right that's when i started the the wheel started to turn for me what if my son does not have my same personality will he lose some of his independent nature you know, when we had my daughter was born, same for her. Will she lose some of her independent nature um, if I forced him to do the same things that could have potentially changed me if I'd have allowed it?
1: Right, right.
0: So it's making me think a little bit about what is it that's making you come to that conclusion that, yes, we should do it now? Is it just your, your wife kind of dripping these ideas into you or yeah, you starting it, to think yourself about it?
2: Well, it's, it's attrition. So she's, she's not dropping the subject. She's becoming more adamant and, and more passionate. She's again, she's not just taking no for the answer. She's going ahead and putting up the little border around the schoolroom that which was, <laughs> I thought was the playroom, but now it's turning, it's getting like the ABCs and the one, two threes and everything put up in the schoolroom yeah. and the bookshelf
1: and the room uh, formerly known <laughs> as the man cave is right, now. the right. <laughs> Yeah.
2: And so that starts taking place and it's like, I am you know, I'm not engaging in it. But at the same time, I'm helping build the bookshelf. So I'm also kind of passively assisting. Right. But when she's not giving up on, you can tell the, the passion she has behind it. I start to realize this is something that's not going to go away. Mm-hmm. But also in that process, that attrition of she's she's chipping away at the idea. Because it, it's, it's, again, it is not a solidly formed idea that you have to send your kid to school. I didn't realize it that, that at the right. time, though. As right. soon as she starts to score those little points here and there. That's when it starts to, you know, make my wheels start to turn right. and kind of, okay, yeah, you know, you know what, that does make sense. And yes, a lot of kids would probably have gotten a detention and they would have completely changed who they were, <laughs> where I was like, these aren't that bad, That's right. <laughs> you know, but what would that do to my kid? You know, yeah. my son's got much more of my wife's personality. And I think that if, if he were to get in trouble, cause he disagreed on the meaning of a book with mm-hmm. a teacher, Right. That may change his entire philosophy about everything. True. And, and so those little things started to happen and it really made me go, yeah, let's, let's start looking at this. But I specifically said, let's do preschool kindergarten. And that was kind of my, you'll see that this isn't as good. It's not okay. going to be as much fun for you. And then things started to change as we got into it.
1: So you allowed a trial period.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: Yep. And, it, and during that time, that, that kindergarten year, let's say, what did you see that really started making you say, I think this is going to work?
2: So I obviously have a lot of faith in my wife. She went to school to be an educator. So there's, there's that portion for her as well. Um, so she's got that background already and she's with all credit to my wife. She's one of the most caring and determined people you ever meet. So yes. perfect build to be an educator. Yes. Um, I knew she'd be successful in that, but I still wasn't ready to give up on the idea that the kids are going to go to school. For elementary so really it didn't i didn't see a lot of change in myself mm-hmm. until we moved to wisconsin wisconsin i believe has a rule and this might have been a, a sales job by my wife i've never looked at that <laughs> but i believe at least in our area um, you needed to um, go to kindergarten in order to go to first grade so you have to have the kindergarten uh, kindergarten class to get to the first grade so then i was like all right well first grade fine right we'll, we'll do kindergarten i'm not going to change that now." Mm-hmm. And in in between that time, that kindergarten to first grade into the first grade year is she'd had a lot of struggles. It's not easy to get this. It's not easy, especially when you're looking at an almost infinite amount of homeschool curriculums in all these different ways. I mean, you're coming out of that public school mind of how you should grade your ch- children mm-hmm. on what they're doing, how their performance is. That's tough. And it's yeah. especially tough for the one who's doing the educating because you're not you're going to have a lot of moments of feeling like you're not achieving the goals that, you know, kid might have a little bit harder time learning to read or picking up certain colors or whatever it might be. Right. And so in that kindergarten to to first grade, I really saw it be difficult for her. My son was not, he wasn't frustrated because he's like, yeah, mom got a little sad, but I went and played with my car. So, you know, it didn't, didn't bother him as much, but seeing her struggle definitely turned on the compassion side of me. And so I was like, all right, you can get this. You're going to get it. Don't worry about it. I'm not concerned. We, we obviously have an intelligent son. Yes. You're you, No one is better suited for teaching him than you are. Mm-hmm. And then in that first grade year um, is when it clicked with him. And so when it started to click with him and he really took off and started doing all the reading and the math and really was above and beyond what you would say right. his level should be if he were in public school. That's when I... Gave another concession and said, we can do to third grade. Kind of that elementary school range.
1: The next rung on the ladder.
2: (laughs) And then as we continued with that process, my my daughter, so as he aged, my daughter aged into starting to learn. We approached it in a much more, still not perfect. I think we're getting there now. Yeah. But we approach it in a much more, um, I guess, healthy and manageable, achievable way. We weren't, again, starting him with naming colors when he could barely talk. Right. Uh, we didn't do that to her. And so we'd learned from that mistake, kind of led her into the education a little bit better, understood that everybody's gonna pick this stuff up differently mm-hmm. and approaching it in ways that are different than what we did with my son, cause she's obviously different. Right. And that sort of started the gel and I saw yeah. the benefit of that. And I, again, I saw my son get his free day Fridays where yeah. as a third grader, he wants to learn about Julius Caesar. I, I would have loved to have done that when mm-hmm. I was in third grade. Exactly. You know, that's the kind of stuff that I pursued as I got older. Yeah. Um, and so seeing him get that benefit and then seeing us join the homeschool groups and do all these different cool things, you know, go to museums and go to the different homeschool field trip type days that mm-hmm. I would have never gotten to do right. if I was, a, and they would have never gotten to do if they were part of the uh, yeah. public school system. So really when my son was probably in about second grade, I kind of did the junior high thing okay. and go through junior high and then it's up to them and yeah we've eventually now gotten to the point where yeah, they'd have to really convince me to let them go to public school, yeah. <laughs> but it <laughs> took, shoes, it took all that trial. switched. Again. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So the benefit for you was you were able to see where your kids were at, you know, in terms of what they wanted to learn, where they were developing, you know, physically and intellectually. And then you could actually streamline the education that you're providing your kids based on where their skill set was. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Yep. Well, and my daughter, so my, my daughter has struggled a little more to pick up reading. My son can read and go all day long. He, he absolutely loves to, to learn new things, especially by reading them. Mm-hmm. My daughter has a desire to read, but she has not picked them up, picked it up as quickly as my son did at the same ages. Mm-hmm. But her, her like math skills are, Incredible! Like she's going to be better than me at everything. Yeah, uh, when it comes to math or science or anything like that, very soon she's.
1: Isn't it amazing that we look at our kids and we say we really want them to experience all the great things that we did, and then you find out that they're nothing like Mm -hmm. like us. Absolutely, (laughs) right? You know,
2: and and so it's been very rewarding to watch my wife kind of. uh, fix and customize her teaching to the strengths and and then be able to nurture not only the things that they're very good at, but the things that they're a little bit lesser in at to start with. And So right. my daughter being able to pick things up at her own speed and not feel like she's in competition with a peer group or be left behind because she's struggling with reading or, or anything like that has been huge to me. Because again, I, I know people, I had friends, family who had those insecurities, because in second or third grade, they needed to be held back because they were missing one thing, right? You know, they, they hadn't picked up reading or they hadn't picked up math.
0: So, so Mike, let's talk about that a little bit, because I'm, I'm certain that there's a lot of people who are in that situation where they're trying to figure out if they want to do homeschooling or not, but they're not so sure about the flexibility and the having to be open-handed with things. They, they, they like things in order. So was it something that you had to, um, Uh, really work through to kind of get that sense of it's okay to do it this way and not that way. We can do it our own way and and kind of figure out as we go along. Or did you, did you have to work through that somehow?
2: I I did. I think my wife actually had to work through that a little more being the educator feeling, especially since I was so resistant for so long. I think Mm -hmm. that my wife had a little bit of self-consciousness or insecurity about the fact that if it wasn't clicking right away, that I was going to all of a sudden revert back to previous me and say, we're done with this nonsense. That was not the case. So once I bought in, I was pretty bought in. And then I was able to see the earnestness with, with, with which that she was going forward and saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to teach the kids. And then also the kids joy. That that's the part that you don't see. I've got my, my family, my parents have uh, six children. I have a sister who's 11, a sister who's 14. So large age gap. So I've got to see multiple sets of kids here mm-hmm. who've had these struggles. So I, and again, from kind of this view as an adult, seeing sisters that are still in school rapidly reach those third, fourth, fifth, and start to lose their love of learning. I was able to see that simultaneously with my children, not losing that love of learning. Mm-hmm. My son going through those same grade progressions yeah. and seeing him enjoy it and, yeah. and continue to want to learn where, on the, on my sister's side, it was becoming more defeated. Right. And and then remembering also reflecting back on my own experience, which was, you know, I hit fourth or fifth grade and mm-hmm. started to feel that same push. And, and then on top of that, you add in the athletics or any kind of extracurricular activity. And it's not just the eight o'clock to three o'clock school. It's the till six o'clock sports and then till right. 10 o'clock school. And, and those things are that we're not putting those pressure on our children. We're not putting those pressure on, on, the kids to feel not only like they're in a competition with everybody that they know, but also that they can still have a chance to be kids and learn things they want to learn, do things they want to do. And so seeing that really helped me not get in that, that mode of being nervous about whether they were catching on to things.
0: There must've been some times though, when you felt like, man, we're, we're messing this up or it's not working or what the heck are we doing? Right. So can you talk a little bit about the dynamic between you and your wife and how you work through those things?
2: Yeah. It, again, I, I think I've been very fortunate that because my wife has approached this so open-minded that she's been able to kind of drag me along when necessary. Uh, and then vice versa. I've seen her work so hard at this and be so invested in it that when she's struggling, I've been able to t- kind of take the her reins and say, mm-hmm. no, we're going to be okay. You've got this. Let's change this up or let's move this around. And it has been mostly with the uh, the academic side of it where, you know one kid has struggled with one thing with okay. one subject or it's never been just crazy because and like I said before yeah. it was the social side that I was most concerned with when this was first brought up to me that has not once been an issue since we started homeschool yeah. uh, i've not once been concerned yeah. so speak on
1: that a little bit um what did you incorporate in your homeschool to help facilitate that socialization or the sports, or the extracurriculars that you are familiar with?
2: It's really just been joining the groups, finding the, and we've joined some groups. Some local homeschool groups. Yeah, some local homeschool groups. Um, We've been involved in the local city sports, Uh, so we've gone through the Parks and Rec Department and and put them in the soccer leagues and all that kind of stuff. Uh, And then again, join those homeschool groups, which I think are fantastic because of the age ranges that are in there you know, you've got a 14 year old group of 14 year old kids that are playing alongside the eight and nine year old kids and teaching yeah, them to play right. baseball or kickball or whatever it might be. That's been fantastic. Uh, and I think it's actually more rewarding because I remember being nine years old and being intimidated by the high school kids when they walked the hallway. Not that mm-hmm. they ever said anything, they completely ignored you, <laughs> but <laughs> just true. being being like, oh, the big kids are here. You know, my kids don't have that fear whatsoever, which is going to do very well for them as they get older, they're not going to be intimidated because someone's you know, senior to them in age uh, when they go into a workplace.
1: Yeah, uh, your kids come to the the ballpark with other kids of different ages, and they're all basically we are here together. We are all kids in this group, and yeah. you know it doesn't matter about about uh, grade levels or anything no, else.
2: No, and we went to a uh, homeschool group event where we had a, a local police canine dog was there and they were doing a demonstration and after that the kids all went and played at the park and yeah. there was a kid who's probably 12 or 13 years old that was teaching my 5-year-old how to climb a tree okay. you know like and that's great yeah i'm not climbing a tree right so it's great that he, my 5-year-old's not intimidated by the 12-year-old the 12-year-old's yeah. not yeah. and then also the 12-year-old it has a rounded enough personality that he's not looking at the 5-year-old and saying i'm not messing with this five-year-old. He's not my little brother. I don't want to to deal with him. He's out there showing them and helping them up to the first branch. And, you know, it's very rewarding to see those things. And so that, that has really been on the socialization side. That's been great, but also we've been doing, we've done a lot with volunteerism. So my kids help a, a local woman in town. Um, she d- cleans like the library gardens and fixes the library library gardens and the uh, parks and rec department, the community center gardens. Sure. So my kids are out doing that stuff. They're going to the secondhand store with her and helping volunteer and clean there. So they're around you know, people who are senior citizens who are doing that kind of volunteerism. They're out in the public helping with the guard. So people are stopping by and saying, hi. they have zero fear. Like there's no um, fear of talking to adults, Yes, which I, I didn't have much of, but again, I was the oldest grandson, I was mm-hmm. the only grandson on one side of the family, so I was being taken everywhere. Right. Where I have a couple sisters that have some pretty real anxiety <laughs> when it comes <laughs> to talking to people they don't know. My kids yeah. don't don't have that because their socialization system has been so different. And again, not to be super detrimental to public school, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm you know, I want to talk about how great homeschool is, mm-hmm. but one of the downsides to public school versus homeschool is certainly that you come to be- view adults through public school as being dominant over you mm-hmm. because that's a system. And, and right. to teach 40, 50 kids in a classroom, you need to have that system, that hierarchy where yeah. the teacher is in charge and everybody else does. You have their
1: complete goal. chaos.
2: Otherwise, absolutely. And I think that that doesn't do as well. Again, once they get into the real world, when they get into employment, if you take, I've been in the position where I've been 28 years old, 30 years old and taken over sales teams mm-hmm. and had to hire people that are 20 years older than me or had to be in charge of people who've been there for longer than me, who were 20 years older than me. And if I took that from a perspective of, well, they're older than me, they must know more than me, then I would have been very bad at those jobs. Right. <laughs> and so for my kids, I look at it the same way. I don't want my children to step away from a job or fail at a job or fail at a project, fail at, you know, I successfully ran for mayor. Yes. If I'd have done, if I would have just listened to the people who were older than me and who'd been there longer than me telling me no, we wouldn't have fixed the budget. Yes. <laughs> so it, it's one of those things where I want my children to, in every aspect of their life, not have those fears. And I think that we are well onto our, on, on the way to that with what we're doing for the socialization now. So again, socialization has not come up as a concern mm-hmm. this entire time.
0: That was actually one of the things that made me really want to do homeschooling because many years ago I was a youth pastor and I could almost tell without knowing the kid if they were a homeschooler or not because of the way they interacted with people, the way they talked to me, the way mm-hmm. the, the vocabulary that came out of them, it was really something, you know, that was
2: great. You you can definitely see it, it's absolutely true. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, now, let me uh, touch on this idea of you know hanging out with old people and volunteerism and things like that. I scared my daughter many years ago when I said, Abigail, you know, with homeschooling, the whole world is your classroom. You'll never be out of school. And she was really upset by that because, like, I'm going to be <laughs> in school all the time. She oh, didn't like that. But right? the thing is, you kind of are in school because everything yeah. is a learning opportunity. So, can you talk about you and your wife trying to figure out all of that curriculum that she was wading through, and how you turned things like just volunteerism into part of your curriculum? Yeah.
2: yeah so, with the curriculum side at first, my wife is like many homeschool educators. They look at it and they go there. How, where do I even start? Number one.
1: Mm, very inventing?
2: yeah. And then when, when you pick something, you feel it's, it's a financial investment to pick this it, homeschool is certainly not necessarily the cheapest option. If you go with purchasing everything you can find. Sure. Um, and so that's kind of how we looked at it. We're trying to buy as much as we can and find all this stuff and, and, mm-hmm. and kind of base everything on curriculums and reading reviews about it. We really went through that trial and error process with our son in the beginning. And now, again, it's very customized. We're, we're pulling from things. She's creating things. Mm-hmm. Um, we're taking ideas from other homeschool moms and homeschool educators that are in that in these homeschool groups that we use. Right. So it's been really customized, but it took a lot of figuring out what works for the kid, which is, again, another one of the great things mm-hmm. about homeschool is that my son learns different things different ways mm-hmm. than my daughter does. And then now my, my third son, he learns things differently than both of them and so the ability to really customize to what their strengths are is has been a great blessing for us because I, I don't know i know that that's where i struggled when it came to academics as i got older right was it not being to my speed or to my interest and then just blowing off entire classes because of it yeah so that has been something that's been nice to find out why they're still elementary aged mm-hmm. um but it was it was very difficult we f- we really found it through a lot of that trial and error my wife having a lot of issues and, and struggles and a lot of long night conversations with, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of tears and a lot of, I don't know if I can do this and maybe we should just, you know, and that, that's one of the things I have to say that if you invest yourself into this, you're going to have that, but you can't. If you're the spouse, you cannot let that moment of doubt turn into your way of getting out of this. You have right. to be supportive because it will pay off right. if they're that upset <laughs> that they're crying and they're concerned yeah. that they're going to fail. That means that they're not going to, unless you let them yeah. so that you need to follow through with that and continue to encourage.
1: So there's a high level of a potential overwhelm with yes. the family, right? When, yes. you know, the, the, the uh, parent that does the majority of the teaching starts doubting, you know, their ability to teach. I remember the day Jenny, Told me I have no idea what I'm going to do for chemistry and physics and all these other things, and it was a very daunting conversation. So, as dads, right, um, the three of us, we also work outside of the home. So a lot of our our time and energy is is spent on our jobs. Um, and at what point and how do you actually? balance it out so that you have your work life your family life and your home education life and what do you bring to the table that way in terms of what you do to educate your kids as well
2: so that was a big fear in the beginning so um if my wife would have sold this to me as here you know you're going to help with the homeschool this is going to be your responsibility when you take the kids to do this you're going to teach them this. Um, that would have not that would have told sold me against it.
1: Because <laughs> I, I daddy says no.
2: yeah. Yep, <laughs> I if I'm gonna be doing some I'll happily have a kid assist me with a project, but yes. generally speaking, that project is gonna be can you hand me the drill? Yeah. you know, that, that was kind <laughs> Come of
1: Come kids, grass cutting <laughs> class. <laughs> exactly. Let's go.
2: That was the kind of level that I wanted to be at. Um uh, that has also obviously transformed. Um because it's and as, as their interests change, again, I I'm absolutely a nerd for all the historical stuff. So like when my son, I don't even remember how they got there again. I'm not super involved with the day to day, but they come and tell me about what they're learning and we'll do different things. My wife, if there's a shared interest. So like when my son got interested in uh, Rome and Julius Caesar, I love that stuff. And so my wife created a a computer version of jeopardy and we, we put that up on the TV and we played jeopardy, you know, that, that kind of stuff. I get very involved in because it's a shared interest, but if it's outside of the shared interest, it's really, I don't have a lot of involvement with it when, when she has struggles here and there. I, again, I'm there for the encouragement. There's been times where my son, um, I think might've been, a, it was a while ago. So, you know, even maybe two years ago, uh, he was struggling a little bit with long division.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I got involved just from my wife being stressed out, here's how I do it. This is not how the book says to do it. Right. This is not what the YouTube videos say how to do it, yeah. but we're getting the same answer. So th- if this works, cause we, my son and I think a lot alike. So if this works for you, this is what worked for me. And so I'll, I'll jump in on moments like that. But as far as truly carrying a class, I probably won't until they're at that really classic literature stage, which is what I'm absolutely love. So when we get to that point, I'm happy to sit down and talk about the sun also rises, you know, right. but I, I'm not going to get super involved now with that said, while, while in the beginning, I was saying, I don't want to be involved with taking my kids somewhere. It absolutely turned into that, but not mm-hmm. because of me. So my son my oldest son was very obsessed with fishing. Mm-hmm. I, I bring that one up. This is the, my big story about how I almost unwittingly was homeschooling my child while fishing. I was mostly untangling his knots that he'd yeah. gotten stuffed. But while that was happening, he'd learned about the ecosystem of a pond or of a lake. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there nodding along and correcting something, not even paying attention. Again, I'm just untying a knot, the 50th knot in the last half hour. And then I realized we are homeschooling. This is him learning about what's happening. No different. This would be no different if we were homeschooling or if he was in public school, he would still have learned this, been so interested that he wanted to talk about it. Yeah. The biggest difference is because he's homeschooled and that love of learning has not faded a bit. Right. He still wants to talk about it. He's not using fishing the same way I did as a teenager, which was to get away and not have to think about anything. True. (laughs) He's enjoying the (laughs) fishing from the, aspect of being able to, I know what's happening inside of this body of water. Yeah. I want to talk about it and I want to catch some fish or yeah. again, myself, I liked, I don't anymore as much with five children, it's hard, mm-hmm. but I used to love to hunt and to fish and all those things. I did it to be away from thought, <laughs> not be thinking right. about mm-hmm. more education or, or what I was struggling with in school or work or any of those things. Yeah. And so that love of learning still being there is mm-hmm. great.
0: I think this brings up an, an idea though, that you can help with those people who are still doubting. Well, what if I don't care about this, that, or the other thing, and eventually I'm going to grow up and have to get into the real world. So how do you find that balance between doing what the kid really wants to do and what you want to do and what maybe really needs to be done?
2: It, it's, a, it's finding that, that shared love of things. So my son and I have a lot in common. Um, my, my first, well, all the kids and I share certain things, but my f- oldest son and I have a lot in common as far as the way we think of things. But there are certain things that I really, really love that he's not as much into. Mm-hmm. He's gotten more into it, but i like so on Sundays, I absolutely love to sit down in the afternoon and watch a football game. Right. Yeah. My son is very, very, very analytical, much more analytical than I am. So the best way to get him into that is let's talk about stats. So it started out with him drawing football plays that didn't make any sense on a piece of paper. And there were 45 guys on one team and two on the (laughs) other, you know, there were things like that. But now he's talking about stats. And so I'll let him draft a fantasy football lineup so that he can follow that analytical statistician type stuff for the football. And now he's obsessed with it. So now he looks at football and says, you know, this player did this and this player went to this college and this player played for this team. And this used to be a Tennessee Titan. Now he's a New England Patriot and, right. and found the things that really get him interested. Mm-hmm. And, but it's still something where I get to have a conversation with my son, but I still get to watch the Titans probably get beat on Sunday. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's been enjoyable still.
0: So do you find that his stats are turning into something that's um, um, quote unquote, a marketable skill or something?
2: Absolutely. Well, I think anything, so obviously there's a lot of space in the employment world for anything analytical. And if that's where his interests lie, I'm happy to feed into that because he's going to be able to find something, even if it's anything from the marketing side, it's got a lot of analytics involved, right? And then you go into computer programming, there's tons of analytics involved in that. And and just having an analytic mind can make you a a really good, you know, VP of finance or something like that. But then he also has the Extreme interest in politics because I ran for mayor, not wanting to be a politician, but in order to correct the budget um, in the city that we live in and love. So now he's very much involved in us. We joined a 4 H group, and the first 4 H meeting they went to, they did the whole parliamentary procedure. Well, he doesn't remember anything else about that 4-H meeting except for the fact that they did parliamentary procedure. Yeah. And so he sees me on the Zoom meetings running a meeting doing parliamentary procedure. So now we'll have conversations about that. That's where that Rome stuff comes back in. And he goes, oh, the Senate makes sense now. Uh-huh. And now it makes sense that we've, you know, that there's a statue of mm-hmm. uh, George Washington that looks like Cincinnatus handing his. Uh, papers back, you know, pointing from Philadelphia, because there's all those ties from our original founding fathers back to the Roman government. And so all those things start to click. And then he, again, it just fosters that love. And and that's what is
0: so exciting about homeschooling, because your interests and his interests and everybody's interests sort of starts coming together as a synthesis. It's not just regurgitating stuff. It's, it's real life stuff. Right. Right. That
1: is exciting. And look at the events and the, the outings that you've done with your kids. And if you were to report back to your wife, what subjects did you touch on today when you're out on the lake? You know, you can say, we talked natural science. We actually could consider this a, a gym class of sorts. Right. You know, we're out and experiencing nature. There's five other things that can be put on their transcript just from fishing on the lake.
2: Absolutely. And, and it doesn't feel, again, because that, that love of learning that pursuit of more education has not been a negative to him. Mm -hmm. He doesn't view any of those conversations as boring or a continuation of the class. He's trying to get out of his mind. You know, it's still, he had a great day fishing with that or he had a great day, whatever. Yeah. And even though he continued to learn and ask more questions and do all that, which is again, my dad bracket races, drag races. Sure. And the, I, I tell the joke now, uh, as an adult that homeschools, mm-hmm. <laughs> I tell that it was always fun. As I got older, we'd be on the way to the racetrack and my dad would spend the hour and a half drive lecturing me about the, the paper that got sent home from the school that I didn't show up to class, you know, or that <laughs> I, you know, that, so the first half of the race was that the next half when we actually got to the racetrack, mm-hmm. not knowing it now, but being a homeschooled or not knowing it then, but being a homeschool dad now, the point of bracket racing is to dial your car in to what you think it's going to run on the eighth mile. So your elapsed time. Yeah. So before you race, you pick what you're going to run. So that's all kinds of mathematics, figuring out trap that's times amazing. and all that. So the whole entire time that I'm dialing the car in, I'm taking years worth of data yeah. that the car is run at this time, this temperature, this humidity, this altitude pressure, got and statistics then statistics in there, yeah. you've got <laughs> exactly. math in there. And I'm boiling it down to what I think the car is going to run based on historical data, putting, writing that number on the window and then seeing if dad can go run that. Right. And then, you know, th- there's times where he let off because he was way ahead or different things like that, that you're figuring in Well, he let off at this point. So how many mile per hour did that equal to? And it's, but I never viewed that as, as math and education, because I wanted to get as far away from that lecture and the fact that I'd gotten in trouble that week at school (laughs) as possible. My son will see that and do the the exact same thing and apply the, the things that he's learned, applied the education and be able to use it. I think even better than I was and be able to use it more fulfillingly because he's not trying to get himself as far away from those things as possible. Exactly.
0: So tell us, it this sounds like a question to wrap it all up with, but I don't necessarily mean that, Sure. but tell me now, as you've been, um, you're, you're into homeschooling now, you're a, a true believer. What would you like to say to people who are kind of on that edge saying, I don't know about this. What, what would you tell them to, to face? What, what would you ask them to do?
2: I think first for the people who are, have the calling or feel like they're, they're being called to do it. Uh, do it. Because if you, if you have that feeling and it's not for everybody, there's certainly people who would be better suited, not if, and it, it's typically the people who don't feel that calling. If you're not feeling called to it, I'm not telling everybody you should homeschool That the public school system is broken. It's emergency. Get out. <laughs> I'm saying that for the people who feel as though they can do it and are feeling called to it, please do it. Right. Because if you have that feeling inside of you, that passion, you are absolutely the best person in the whole world to teach your children. On the other side of that, if you're the spouse, who's hesitant, if your spouse is telling you that they feel this passion, that they feel like they're being called to do it, you need to listen to that. Because again, Mm -hmm. who in the world would you rather educate your children than the person who you chose to have children with and who is telling you, I want to educate these children. And to me, that's really looking back. And again, I know it's not that simple for me. It was not that simple, but looking back, I feel like what in the world did I ever argue about this for? This is absolutely what we should have been doing. I I never should have doubted this. And, uh, you know, I don't regret doubting it because I think it led us to this place where hopefully I can help a lot of other people who are having those same questions. But it it certainly is something that I, I say that I was dead wrong about, which is, I'll admit there's not many of those things, but (laughs) but there's certainly this one. I was, I was absolutely wrong.
1: And the beauty is that you had a wife who was an educator just with inside of her was, is what she's called to do is to educate. Um, And then you gave her the, the latitude to say, take the first year and let's see how it goes. You know, that's good advice for any of the listeners out there who may have a spouse that's just an absolute no on homeschooling, start with, let me show you what it's like to teach them how to read, you know, and if we like that, maybe we'll take another step or let's work on just math. So you can see how it works out with the kids. You know, it's, it's a compromise, right? Yeah. You know, as we do as spouses, we, there are a lot of times we do have to compromise somehow, some way.
2: And, and also understand that if there's a lag between what you see the, your child's Peer group learning versus Mm -hmm. what your child is learning—that that's not a bad thing. No, especially in the very beginning, it's not. It's not a uh, a discredit to what your spouse is doing. Right. It it actually may be very good that your spouse is the one doing this, Mm -hmm. because imagine that they were lagging behind or struggling in public school. Mm -hmm. Um, Psychologists typically believe. Uh, that your self-confidence is built by the time you're five years old, right? That the majority, not, not all of it, but the majority of your self-confidence is built by the time you're five years old. Mm-hmm. If you are in the bottom percent of your class and you're trying to learn how to read, what do you think that's going to do to your overall self-confidence? Right. And if you're at home and you're not looking at a peer group who is learning faster than you, your self-confidence is going to be a lot higher than if you were in a peer group and everybody else, and the teacher got, everybody else is learning it, but the teacher's got to spend more time with you and you feel the eyeballs on you and the heat that comes from all of that, you know, yes. mm-hmm. that's going to do a lot of damage to you. Right. And I was fortunate to not have that, but certainly I can't say that for all my children. Yeah. Uh, and it might not be at five years old, it could be at 10 years old or 14, wow. you know, they, there are moments where you're not, everybody learns the same way. And to expect every child to be the master of every single class mm-hmm. or every single subject uh, there's going to be moments where they have doubts with that. And do you want those doubts to sink in and, and become a part of their personality moving forward? And so that's, as I've really adopted into this, I've said, that's the biggest benefit that I see for my kids is that if they're ahead of head of the speed, they can continue to be ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. But if they're behind, they're allowed that time to catch up at their own speed and the teaching. We're not asking it, an educator to change specific to our track because how difficult would that be? Again, 40, 50 kids Mm -hmm. in a classroom to say, I'm going to go pick out the Smith kid and say, I'm going to spend an extra hour a day with this kid to get them to pick it up. Cause I know they're smart enough. We just got to figure out a way to get through to them. They can't do that. It's just not possible. And so, but homeschool provides that. So what, regardless of what end of the spectrum, that you think your child is on how fast they grasp. And it varies per subject. Like I said, with my kids, it varies per subject on how quickly they grasp it. But if they're grasping things very quickly, they get to continue to move on and they're not held back by the middle of the class. And if they're struggling, they're not left behind by the middle of the class. And that's huge. I think that's absolutely huge.
1: And listeners, you've heard this time and time again on this show with Jenny and Tina. They they repeat it pretty much- on every episode grades are for meat not for kids right and that's one of the things we do try to promote extensively in this homeschool movement is we just stop with the grades we start educating our kids based on what they're willing and able to learn at that time in their life
2: Yes. I, I have a, a, had a conversation with a very close friend of mine from school. Um, I haven't seen him in years, but uh, I still reach out as much as I, I can. And he actually made a comment that, um, and I'll, I'll paraphrase, but essentially said, can't believe that you went from class clown bothering all the teachers to doing what you do for a living. And yeah. you were elected as mayor fixing a budget in, in a small city and brilliant yeah. or in Wisconsin. Yeah. It truly, if, if you were to base it off of my grades, And what most teachers told me about my grades, I would be homeless today, (laughs) but, but that's not who I am. It never was who I was. So, but again, I'll go back to that statement I made earlier. I'm fortunate that I had the, I've said this to many people. I'm fortunate that I was spoiled. I'm fortunate that my I was the only grandson on the Smith side. Mm-hmm. You know, I was told from birth that there's nothing I can't do and that I'm perfect and all those kind of things. Right. So I had enough of that self-confidence built up that probably was a detriment in some ways. Cause I didn't believe I had to do everything. everybody told me, cause I was already great. <laughs> a little bit of ego there, yeah. but had I not had that then being told because I wasn't paying attention to biology class could have crippled me. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it could have been very, very bad for my future. I can't guarantee that my children would handle that the same way. And I can't guarantee that anybody's child being told because they're not grasping something as quickly or that they're they've already grasped it. They're moved past it. and Now they're causing trouble because they're bored. If they get told you're going to be a failure, you're not going to get to college or whatever. That can absolutely cripple somebody. Absolutely. And and I'm fortunate that I had everything else behind me outside Mm -hmm. of the school system that told me none of that was true, that I was able to persevere through that and still accomplish the things that I wanted to accomplish. But not everybody has that. And so rather than risking the ability for my children to be successful or to to not even be successful, but to lead a fulfilled and happy life, I'd rather not put them in that situation where outside influences, outside of this family, outside of my wife and I, outside of the people we associate with and the friends that they have uh, can affect them in a negative way like that. And I, I absolutely believe that if I'd been born to a different family or just simply had different influences, that it could have been very negative for me.
0: Again, a question here for those who are maybe on the edge, there's kind of two questions that come out of what you just said. One is you've got the personality that kind of was like, yeah, you've got this reserve of joie de vivre or whatever that right. says, yes, we can do it. Okay, let's go at it. Okay. And your wife was uh, uh, trained as an educator, you know, the quote unquote real teacher, yes. you know. Well, what about people who aren't trained as teachers? And what about people who don't have that that depth of, you know, joy or, or confidence? Let, let's flip it now. People sure. learn differently, but people teach differently as well. So what do Absolutely. you say to those people? I don't
2: think... I- I say educator and not teach. I I slip up and say teacher, but I I try to purposely say educator frequently because again, I learned as much, if not more from the people around me who weren't attempting to teach me anything than I did from my teachers. I I agree with that. And so I don't believe you need to be a teacher to Mm -hmm. to educate children. I I specifically don't believe you need to be a teacher to educate your own children. Um, And the same thing, if you don't have necessarily the confidence to jump, just jump straight into something, you're raising kids. If mm-hmm. there's anybody in the world who is qualified to teach them anything or to educate them about anything, it is you period. Right. There's, there's now that's not to say that teachers don't do a great job that you can go into sure. a public school system and your kid most of the time is going to turn out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. It's right. They, however, if you're shooting for a little bit more than that, or you want to give your kid the best possible opportunity, you as the parent are the one who provides that. Or you as the parents are the ones who provide that. And again, it doesn't need to be this sit down and model yourself of a public school system, Mm -hmm. you know, eliminate the idea of grades and grade. Again, I don't believe looking back on what my experiences were, grades certainly did not encourage or discourage me at any point, (laughs) maybe when I was very young. But certainly once I got to fourth or fifth grade, grades were not a determining factor with how happy I was. And so I don't think that, you know, getting away from that public school model, if you're if you're homeschooling. Is, is the number one thing. So if you don't, if you lack the confidence to meet that, we'll change what you're trying to meet. Yeah. You're trying to educate your children for what they're going to be in the real world. And again, you are having children in the real world. Yeah. So you have the experience necessary to know how to get a job, right. how to raise a family. Yep. You, know, you have that inside of you already, you're already doing it. Right. So if that's the goal you set, not the goal of make my child valedictorian or whatever that might be, yeah. but the goal of raising a good adult who can do the things that you're doing, that's then that's all you really need is qualification in my mind.
1: Right now we've talked about some common, um, issues that parents have in regards to not educating their kids at home, uh, different things that fear people. Um, we've talked about socialization, we've talked about extracurriculars. Um, but sometimes we get people who come in and it's not necessarily that it's, they have to completely change the dynamic of their family. Okay. They're, they may be two income earners, husband and wife both have jobs. Mm -hmm. They may want to educate their kids, but they just can't seem to get over the, we need both of us to work. You know, we need the income, we need the benefits. We need to have that income to live in the better school district or whatever the case might be. Um, the three of us are in situations where uh we're the only ones who bring in the income so to speak or for the most part um what do you recommend and i'm throwing this to all of us here these families that are just it's a lifestyle issue and not necessarily a spouse on on board issue
2: so Being as I'm I'm a regional sales manager, so I'm not specifically sales anymore. So you are a dual career. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm a part-time mayor Yep. uh, and regional sales manager is my actual title for my full-time job. Right. uh, Which I love. Um, But so for me, I'm very competitive. I'm very motivated that way. Mm -hmm. It's slightly different for me because my check is entirely dependent upon what gets sold throughout myself and my team Mm -hmm. and so i can go out and say if i need to give myself a raise i go out and i get myself a raise so busted yep and i'm very fortunate to work for a fantastic company and to work with a great team in the field that does a great job selling and Mm -hmm. i'm I'm truly truly blessed to work for the company that i work for absolutely love it and i know that that's a, a unique situation to be in however Having said all of those kind of caveats, the number one thing that I've it took me time to get to this point as well. I, I will say that I did not, I worked for some companies I didn't enjoy very much to get to where I'm at today. Um, appreciate all the experience, but it was a struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't always part of the reason I wasn't always happy to help with the homeschool stuff. But the number one thing that I maintained throughout that was that I will not leverage my children's future in favor of immediate financial gain. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I would rather do without certain things than, and then make sure that my, because my kids are not going to remember if we had two brand new vehicles or even two recently new vehicles, my kids are going to remember that they had these great experiences, that they were at home with their parents. They were at home with their siblings. They were able to go to these, these homeschool uh, group functions. They were able to go to this cool place and see the Mm -hmm. salmon farm or the, I'm not sure it was salmon farm but something along those lines go and see the Indian mounds and things yeah. like that, that again, as homeschool or as public school kids, they wouldn't have gotten. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's that it's making sure that this entire time, my children have been able to be given the opportunity rather than saying, I'm going to leverage that mm-hmm. in order to make sure that we have the neighborhood, the house, the cars, right. the, the, whatever else it might be. Um, and my kids not get those things. Yeah. So I guess, you know, my, my parents would always uh, refer to it as keeping up with the Joneses. Uh-huh. Um, and that's kind of where I was. I'd never, I was competitive, but never competitive in that way. Yeah. I think that's been a benefit to me as a homeschool parent saying, yeah, I, I didn't until recently get the vehicle that I've wanted for a long time, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and we always had a, a vehicle that could fit all the children. And then yeah. I had some junker that yep. I drove around. Right. Uh but it wasn't until the last few years that I've been able to upgrade in that way. Uh but it was again saying making the conscious choice that my children's future and was going to be more important than those immediate needs or those immediate uh, wants, I should yeah. say.
0: And it's not that those immediate wants did not, you know, affect you from time to time. There were times when yeah, I had the junker car too and is this yeah. thing going to start? Is it going to it was just frustrating. It's like, oh, the the water heater, the roof, the flat tire again. It's like, oh, I just I, didn't want that. But but here, this is this is what really encouraged me a lot. Uh, here in the state of Wisconsin, home schools are considered private schools. So when I'd feel particularly down, being a one-income family. My wife would say, but Jeff, you're putting two children through private schools. It's like, you're right. I was right. And, and, and the, the, the educator was my wife and who better to do that. And, and I just think about how, when I was growing up, you know, mom was always there. Dad was always there. And now I can do that for my, my kids too. And that was the thing that really got me excited. It wasn't about the treasure of a new car or a fancy house or something. It was the treasure of my kids and this neat family dynamic
1: that I'm really right. proud of. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember when our homeschool journey began and my wife gave her, her notice and then she was ultimately like, go well in one day, our income dropped 33% cause that's what she was bringing to the table. Right.
0: Oh.
1: And I'm like, okay, how are we going to make this work? You know, how's how are we going to keep the lights on and educate the kids? And it's amazing how resourceful you become as a dad Exactly. at that point, right? You just start looking for better opportunities, better education, better. I had to completely flip the switch and quit my nine to five and start my own business just because I knew that was the only way I was going to be able to get health insurance because I was going to pay for it ourselves.
2: Yep. My, I have family that think I'm absolutely crazy because I did change jobs quite. I moved to Wisconsin for a job that I was only in Wisconsin with yeah. for about a year. You guys said, this isn't going to cut it. I need to find something. And so that resourcefulness that you talked about doesn't just go to like, Hey, we're going to turn off the, the cable. No more Netflix. Right. <laughs> it, it goes to, I'm not going to settle yeah. for a job that's not rewarding me both, Correct. you know, financially and, uh, psychologically the way that I want to be rewarded. And so, um, I, I was very concerned with finding the right position, but I also wouldn't put up with the nonsense, which I, I brings a thought to my mind about school too. I want my kids to be that way. I don't want my kids to, to sit in a job for 30 years that they can't stand. Mm-hmm. And if, if you look at the public school system, I have a sister that's 11 years old. Uh, she wanted to be a teacher until recently because now she's drowning in schoolwork. So she yes. goes to school from eight to three 30 and then she has cheerleading practice. And then she works on her homework from five 30 to 10 30 at night. Yep. And it's absolutely true. If I had, if my children mm-hmm. at 25 years old had a job that was telling them you are salaried, you will get no promotion, no raise, mm-hmm. nothing you are. this is what is required of you every day is to work for 12 hours. Right. I would tell them immediately find a new job. (laughs) Don't (laughs) settle for this. And so I take that same philosophy as, as the income earner to say, I'm not going to just sit and then say, well, I'm thankful I've got, there's other stuff out there. There's other opportunities, as long as you're willing to continue to go out there and get it and not just sit at ease with something that's putting you at ill at ease. So exactly. That's the direction that I chose.
0: That seems to be the whole Mode that homeschoolers w- walk in, we're resourceful. You can figure things out if you want to do something, we'll do that for a while. If it doesn't work out well, okay, now I know something, I'll do that other thing instead. And you're that much more confident with it. I also realized too, you know, when Tina quit her job, it's like, how are we going to do this? Yeah. Well, it's not like I had the most super fantastic job, but you know, we had more money than we thought we needed, you know, you know, it's like, you know, I, and I think, you know, I, I know there's all kinds of different situations out there, but I think generally we all have more than we think we have.
1: True.
2: And
0: I think if we just kind of get into the reality of what we really have, we might find out that we can actually do a lot of
2: things. Yes. My wife has been good for me with that. I, I, because there are times when I think, boy, you know, maybe I do want to boat, (laughs) Uh (laughs) you know, and, and then uh, and then I'll decide, you know, I know I wouldn't, I don't want a boat cause I'm not putting five kids on a boat, <laughs> you know? Right. And so, uh-huh. but there's little things like that where I'll get competitive with myself for uh-huh. a minute and then I'll realize I'm putting five kids. Like my wife hasn't worked since we got married, basically, you right. know, it, it, there's a lot to be thankful for and proud. Of. It definitely makes you more grounded right. uh, when, when you look at it that way. And there's also without sounding alpha male and all that. There's also a lot of pride that at times when my wife allows me, or when my wife reminds me and I allow myself to be reminded, mm-hmm. there's a lot of pride in the fact that I've been able, we've done this. We're educating our son. My son is, my daughter, my, even my five-year-old have learned so much in our home, sometimes right. at the kitchen table, like yes, th- there's a lot of pride there that you can sit back and look and see what they've, what you guys have, what we've accomplished as a family. Right. And then also the way that it was snowing today uh-huh. and my three-year-old and my five-year-old and my nine-year-old were out there. And I don't know what in the world they were playing, but making up some game, having a blast. And <laughs> that wouldn't have happened today. Right. And that relationship I don't think would be as strong had my nine-year-old been more concerned with his friend group. Yeah. You know, Rather than, you know, I'm going to go out in the yard and just be goofy with a plastic yeah. garden hoe with my my little brothers. And that's know?
1: another benefit to homeschooling your kids is the siblings are are educated together. Yeah, and absolutely. They're not split off into different grades and different schools, you yeah. know. Well, yeah. My my daughter, um,
2: she is probably not maybe not better than my wife, but is definitely better than I am at soothing our newborn. So like wow. she puts him down for naps more often than I ever have. And yeah. that was what was happening today As he was, my wife was in the middle of some project and um, they had just finished up school. The kid, the boys went outside to play and then my newborn and my daughters uh, sat yeah. in the chair and she put them down for a nap. Like those are memories she'll have forever. That right. bond that they're developing right now will be there forever. And again, it's all stuff that would have missed would have been missed if they were in public school and daycare and all those things. And And can I really say that, my wife, the, the extra income that my wife would add to that is more valuable than those things. Well, right. if I I can't, I can't say that. Yeah, I, I absolutely cannot.
0: Oh, y'all, you, you often hear of people, I want to, I want to I go back and have my career. So they go back and they have to put their kid in the daycare. And after all those daycare uh, expenses, they, they come out with like 20 bucks at the end yeah. of the week or something like that. So it's like,
2: th- I, there's a payoff there. Yeah. I have friends whose whose their wife's income is for daycare and insurance. Yeah. And I, that would be, for me, if I was in their spouse's position, that would be miserable to go yeah. to work every day. I actually
1: worked with a family who were going through some financial issues. And the plan that we worked out was, one of you is gonna quit your job. One of you is going to get rid of the vehicle. And by that, you have no more daycare costs. They actually had more money at the end of the month yeah. By having just one person work. Yeah. Crazy. I know. Yeah. So guys, this has been completely game changing. And I thank you both for participating in this discussion. I think we're going to change some minds here. I hope in, in in the world of home education, getting some spouses on board that may or may not have been before. If you, the listener need any additional support or just an ear to, to talk to, Uh, reach out to us. We're at info at Uh, You can also check us out on the website, same domain name. Um, And until next time, everyone, thanks so much for being a part of our homeschool world. And we hope that God blesses yours as well. Have a great day.